Well, if you have your scriptures, turn to Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. You may find that scripture on your phone. And we continue our series in the certainty of the Savior, the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. And let's again, out of reverence and respect, stand for God's word. Hear now the word of God. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more in all of them, for they all contribute out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that through the ministry of your word, inspired by your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts in a manner that would bring great glory to you, Lord Jesus. And so be with us as we gather this morning. We ask that you would continue to teach us and instruct us and conform us more to the image and likeness of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Money talks. When we say that, we say that people who have money uh, have power, influence, and say-so. The, the formula for Hollywood, for much of the business world in our nation, and for politics is simple. Money talks. People with money are generally treated more kindly, and they view themselves with a greater sense of worth and value. Their identity might even be tied up in their money, in what they have, and how they dress, and what they drive, and where they live. Money talks. From 1984 to 1995, Robin Leach hosted a television show entitled Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous, in which we were granted a glimpse into the lavish lifestyles of celebrities, of athletes, and of entrepreneurs. It reminded us, a vivid reminder, that money talks. Jesus believed that money talks, but not in the way the world believes money talks. He believed in an entirely different way. Money talks in man's economy and speaks of power and prestige, but it speaks something quite different in the economy of the kingdom of God. Jesus draws our attention to this by way of contrast as he's seated in the temple, in the treasury. And as he observes, as he's people watching, he sees people coming by and dropping their coinage into those large in trumpet-shaped inverted treasury boxes. And he watched. He saw the rich dropping in much coinage, but he was not impressed the way the world is often impressed. Kent Hughes writes, Money speaks is more than a cliche. It is an axiom of the heart. So what do we learn from Jesus' people watching in the treasury temple at this time? First, giving that impresses man is often unimpressive to God. As people entered the temple treasury, they would place their gifts in those treasury chests. There were 13 of them, and they were narrow at the top and wide at the bottom. And as you drop your coins in, it would make quite a bit of noise. No doubt that the rich brought massive coinage to worship. Before seminary, I worked with a canteen corporation, and I worked in the money room. 
and there were sites throughout the upstate, and drivers would bring in the money that was made during the day into that money room, and we would count them. We had machines, three machines that counted the coinage, and I can tell you from experience, coins make a lot of noise. And in that economy, in the temple, the louder the noise, the bigger the gift, and the bigger the gift, the more righteous the worshiper was. At least that's what the people thought during that day. But Jesus saw something quite different. You know, as people, we're impressed with large donations. Where will we be without celebrity drives, without six-foot-long checks and photo ops? But Jesus sees something different. While man sees the hand that gives, God sees the heart that gives. Jesus warned us of this and reminded us of this in the Sermon on the Mount. Listen again to Matthew 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you that if you receive their, they've received their reward, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know from what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Evidently, the motive behind the giving of the wealthy was less than Noble. The rich placed their offerings in this trumpet-shaped treasury chest. They were simply tooting their own horns, drawing attention to themselves, wanting others to see how righteous that they were, wanting to impress others, but it did not impress God. It was all for show, for religious prestige. But in the midst of the long flowing robes of the scribes, the lifestyle of the rich and famous that Jesus already described in the previous passage, in the midst of their large donations... In that temple came a widow, a dirt poor widow, and she dropped in a pitiful offering in that treasury chest. But her gift caught the eye of the Almighty. You see, giving that impresses God is often unimpressive to man. No one would have taken notice of this poor widow and her pitiful offering. No doubt her tattered clothes as she dropped in her coins into that chest. It would have made scarcely a sound. The King James translates the, the coinage that she dropped in as a mite. We get the phrase, the widow's mite, from this passage of Scripture. The Greek word is actually the word lepta. It was the smallest coin in currency. And two lepta was the smallest offering acceptable in the temple. The lepta was worth one four hundredth of a shekel, a day's earning. That's about two minutes worth of work for most of us. It was a pitiful offering from man's perspective. Lepta literally means slither because it was a slither of, co of copper, something we wouldn't even consider as a coin. I have a widow's mite. Here it is. It, it's smaller than a penny. It, it literally is a slither of copper. And if I put it in, who would take notice? If I gave this as an offering, who would even bother to care? And yet the widow put two of these slithers of copper in. No one noticed. Who cared? Rarely would the world recognize 
such a pitiful, small offering. J. Gretchen Mason was a great theologian. He first taught at Princeton Seminary and then later at Westminster Theological Seminary. And there's actually a building named after him at Westminster, Gresham Hall, Machen Hall. And when Phil Riken was a student at Westminster, he said there was something, a plaque in the lobby of Machen Hall that caught his attention. And it read this, this way. Fanny Mulder was called to glory on October 20th 1987, and in a letter from an attorney, we learned that she only had a few possessions, and the following possessions were listed when she died, after being on Title 19 for several years. Then the notice listed those contents of Mulder's apartment, some articles of clothing, a pair of slippers, five pairs of socks, plus two singles, I guess the dryer got those, a purse, a mirror, an old thimble, a toothbrush, a comb, some soap, a pair of reading glasses. She needed to read her two Bibles and sing from her Psalter. And in addition to a broken radio, there was some money, a dime and two pennies, 12 cents. After the will went through probate, Westminster Seminary realized they were the beneficiaries of all her money, 12 cents, a dime and two pennies. And those di- that dime and two pennies are on display in Machen Hall today as a modern-day reminder of the gracious, abundant gift of the widow's might. You see, 12 cents is not worth mentioning in the world's economy, but it speaks volumes in the economy of the kingdom of God. Why? What was it about the widow's might that caught the attention of Jesus? What was it that, humanly speaking, impressed him? Not in a meritorious sense, not in an earning his favor sense, but in a way that actually brought pleasure to our Savior. What was it about her gift of these two slithers of copper? I believe it was this. Giving that impresses God and is acceptable to him, is given by faith. Jesus does not use the word faith to describe her giving, but he certainly describes faith by her giving. How so? It was her lunch money. It was the last of her food stamps. She probably did not know, literally, where her next meal was coming from and yet she gave it and she gave it in faith believing that her next meal would come from the hand of Jehovah Jireh our God is our provider she gave by faith that is key in understanding something the economy of God that is key in understanding offerings and gifts that are acceptable to him do you remember the offerings of Cain and Abel Two brothers who offered their offerings before the Lord. One was accepted. The other was rejected. Why? What was the difference in the brothers' offerings? Why was one accepted and the other not? Some have said because Abel offered an animal sacrifice and Cain only offered produce of the land. But Cain was a worker of the land. That was his vocation. What else could he have given? 
And furthermore, no animal sacrifices had been required that time in redemptive history. So why was one accepted and the other wasn't? Some people say, well, if you read the text in Genesis 4, Abel offered the fat of his offerings, the best of his offerings, where Cain only offered some of the produce. It sounds like he left the leftovers for the Lord. But why would Abel offer the best? What was the difference in these sacrifices? The writer of the Hebrews tells us two words. By faith. Listen. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. The only gifts, the only offerings which are acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God are those who are offered by faith through the blood of Christ. By faith, trusting in and worshiping and glorying in and having our hearts filled with the grace of God and responding to Him. It's a faith that's willing to give even our lunch money Because by faith we believe something and we know something, even during economic downturns such as we've experienced, that my God will meet all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Cain offered without faith, Abel offered in faith, and this woman, this widow, is offering in faith. Let's take a look just briefly at this offering of faith. First, giving by faith which is acceptable to God is sacrificial. We can't understand how poor this woman was. There's probably very few in our entire nation who are this poor. She was dirt poor. And Jesus emphasizes this four times. He says she's poor twice. He speaks of her poverty. And then at the end, when he speaks of those two slithers of copper, he says, it's all she had. And yet by faith, she gave sacrificially to the Lord. Second, giving by faith, which is acceptable to God, is proportional as well. Verse 3 tells us that the wealthy gave out of their abundance. And no doubt many of them, many of the rich, gave large sums of money. But this woman just gave two small slithers of copper. Yet Jesus says she gave more than all the wealthy. How can Jesus say that these two slithers of copper were more than the pounds of silver and possibly gold that was placed into the temple treasury? Because Jesus is not comparing what each person gave to what the other people gave, but he's comparing what each person gave to what each person had. To the wealthy, it was no sacrifice. To the wealthy, it was not difficult to give. As one commentator put it, the contribution of the rich left Jesus unmoved for he knew that it cost them no sacrifice to give them. Their possessions are so abundant that the contributions made by them were comparatively speaking trifling. Kent Hughes went on to say, Jesus held in his hands the balanced scales of eternity. And the massive load of the rich gave way to the eternal weight of the widow's tiny offering she gave more because jesus was looking at the heart jesus was looking at the sacrifice and her giving was proportional proportionally her giving far outweighed 
the abundance of the gifts of the wealthy. Third, giving by faith, which is acceptable to God, is total. Though she only gave two slithers of of copper, Jesus said it was all she had to live on. You know, our tithes and offerings are but a token and an acknowledgement to God of this heart posture. Lord, all I have is from your hand. And therefore, all I am and all I have belongs to you. It's a total dedication of our hearts to the Lord every time we give our tithes and offerings before him. And finally, giving by faith that's acceptable to God is motivated not by guilt, not even by this passage alone, but by grace. It's the grace of God, only the grace of God, that can change my heart so that I let go of those treasures of earth that I want to cling to so tightly. It is only the grace of God that can enable us to give as this poverty-stricken widow gave. She gave by faith and it was marked by sacrifice, by proportion, and by total commitment. And it was motivated by grace. Listen to the Apostle Paul as he speaks of the grace of giving. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. And by the way, they were dirt poor like this widow. Through their severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy, and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he started, so should he complete among you this act of grace but as you excel in everything in faith in speech in knowledge in all earnestness and in our love for you see that you expel excel in this act of grace also i say this not as a command but to prove the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine two thousand years ago jesus sat people watching in the temple And as he watched them give, he not only saw their hands, but he saw their hearts. And today, Jesus still looks out upon the masses of believers around this world, and he sees our hearts. His omniscient eyes are still upon the hearts of his worshipers. In 2 Chronicles, we are told of that omniscient, all-seeing eye of God. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Jesus taught that money talks. It speaks volumes in the kingdom of God. It speaks volumes of my heart and of your heart. And so what is he saying about your heart and mine. Does he see this morning hearts that have been transformed by the grace of God in the gospel, that our treasure truly lies in his kingdom and that our faith is indeed genuine? 
resting solely upon his grace for salvation, resting solely upon his hand for the provision of our daily needs. Jesus continues to teach that our giving must be by faith, sacrificial, proportional, and total. Saying to the Lord, all I am and all I have is yours. But whose heart is fully committed to him? Whose heart is able to withstand the sovereign gaze of the king of glory who calls us to this kind of life in which we're offering every fiber of our being before him? Who could possibly stand before him with such a sovereign gaze? And thanks be to God, we have one who can and who did on our behalf. The Lord Jesus Christ came and his faith never faltered. His obedience never waned. We have one whose giving was sacrificial and total. He gave his last drop of blood as a sacrifice for sins and a fragrant offering unto our great God and Father. And that's why Paul ends that section on giving in 2 Corinthians with these words, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. And so as believers in Christ, it is the grace of God that moves us to sacrificial giving, to proportional giving, to total giving that is by faith. And as we come to this table this morning, It's God's grace that enables us to sing with this widow and to sing it from our hearts. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a might would I withhold. May the grace of Jesus continue to so work in our hearts that what Christ would see among his people in our church and in the churches around this world is the widow coming to that temple and by faith offering the entirety of her life and our lives to a Savior because of the grace of the gospel that moves us to do so. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you do not drive us by guilt. You do not spur us on by our sin of neglect. But you transform our hearts by your grace to give generously as did this widow who gave by faith through the finished work of Christ, who gave by faith such that her giving was sacrificial, It was proportional. It was total. It drove her and that same grace will drive us to sing, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a might, not a might will I withhold. May your grace and even the grace extended in this supper Work in us that which is pleasing to you, our Lord and our God and our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.